Hi, in this podcast we're going to talk about 3D printing organs for surgeons to practice on. We're going to look at uh, proposals to expand the bike sharing programs into other regions of the city and we'll talk to uh, the region's only supplier of medical cannabis on what they think about the potential for recreational cannabis might be. But we're going to start, uh, I'm here with Patty Singer, I'm Matthew Leonard. Uh, thanks for listening. We're going to look at uh, going upstream for um, higher stakes charges against people who are dealing heroin and fentanyl. And, Patty, we've talked about this a lot in terms of uh, law enforcement, uh, changes to um, strategies for going after dealers. What's um, What do you think shifted, really, in the arena recently? Well, it's interesting. I went to a uh, plea uh, hearing for someone that the Gates police had charged with criminally negligent homicide and the death of someone who used drugs. This was back in January. And what was interesting in talking with both law enforcement and the attorney uh, afterward is that this person, by pleading to criminally negligent homicide, ended up with less p- less potential jail time than had the possession charge that had had the, the person been charged with possession and been found guilty of possession. So the person had been a prior felon and was looking at 12 years with the drug possession charge and pleading to the criminally negligent homicide could potentially serve only two years, depending on how, how things fall um, and how all the sentencing works. But it just, I mean, even if it were half that time, it just struck me and strikes a lot of other people that, wow, criminally negligent homicide, you get less time than if you have a drug possession charge. And again, there are some other factors in this. It may not be the same across the board, but in a couple cases that Gates police have successfully gotten plea deals on, that has been, that's been what's happened is the person ended up with less time with the, uh, with the plea. Well, so doesn't this go against the potential for, isn't the whole point of pushing homicide manslaughter charges or higher stakes charges onto people who are supplying people who die of drug overdoses, supposedly a deterrent. Um, And here you're saying that the sentencing pattern so far seems to contradict that. It it would. And again, I'm not the legal expert on this. I know what I what uh, law enforcement has talked to me about this, and what I what I heard in court, and what the what the attorney said. But even some law enforcement have kind of shaken their head at that, saying we want the criminally negligent homicide. We want to hold people responsible if there's a death for the product that we can prove that they sold. Yet their frustration at the same time is that that is that is less. Again, all factors take into account for the individual who's charged less than what just the drug possession charge would be, which law enforcement can't change that. That has to be something even further upstream. You know, that's that's something that legislation has to address. I don't know if that is on their docket um, to make really, you know, punishments fit crimes. Criminal negligent homicide is punishable by less in some circumstances than it would be just drug possession. Right. So it sounds like there are definitely some wrinkles to to deal with in this as going forward. Um, got a lot to get through, so let's move on to um, an interesting story we're going to be um, looking at. We've done a lot about 3D printing in the past. There's been some really interesting 
things like 3D prosthetics, um, that kind of thing. Now this is going into internal medicine. Do you want to tell us what's the, what's the, uh, the angle on this story? Sure. There's a, a urologist at the University of Rochester Medical Center, Dr. Ahmad Ghazi, for the past four or five years has been working uh, out a pr process which he uses 3D printing to make a mold of an organ and then uses uh, more liquefied substances to create the tissue, the ligaments, the muscle, uh, fat pads, I mean everything that would be in that organ that then a surgeon can practice on you know prior to seeing uh, seeing the patient. Now what they're specializing in is something that's specific. So they did, uh, a gentleman had a series of tumors in his kidney, they were able using CT scans to build his kidney using this process, create that organ, which then he practiced on, so he was able to, to save a lot of time on that surgery, and you know, to this point, there is a very good outcome uh, with that. They're using it to train uh, residents, and also to train experienced surgeons who may be looking at a more difficult Process, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so they've got you. Know, you walk in, and it looked sort of like Young Frankenstein. You know, they had a little brain there. You know, so it was an abnormal kind of thing. Um, so it was really, it was really interesting to to see it. We're going to have a lot of video for you when we story runs DemocratChronicle.com to see this. But you're actually holding an organ and feeling how squishy it is, or how much resistance it gives you. I mean, it's like holding a heart there was some resistance to that and, and holding a liver, there was a lot more. So I've never done that in real life. I can't tell you what the exact right. you know, feel is, but I was assured by the people in the lab that, yeah, that's an awfully close match. Right. So is Dr. Ghazi, I mean, is he a surgeon who spent a lot of time in his basement, you know, as a hobbyist, 3D printing? Or, I mean, was this something that, uh, that he was doing on the side or was it something that was sort of a dedicated part of his well, role? Well, he did... Play with Plato as a kid. He liked that kind of hands-on stuff. And his his kid right now, a seven-year-old, is a big is big into modeling. He was looking. I mean, it's a cliche, but he was looking for a better mousetrap, a way in which surgeons can hone their skills. Uh, they do have computer simulation. There are cadavers, but it's just not the same as cutting into what feels like a real organ. And what he can do is he can make these bleed. So it's cutting into it. It's bleeding. How do you control the bleeding? And if you're the patient, you might have wanted your surgeon to have practiced a few times on this to make sure that it's, you know, he or she is incredibly comfortable, especially if it's a complex procedure, that they have done this, you know, numerous times with something that feels like you, and they can make this organ that is basically your organ by using the imaging that they that they can do CT scans and things like that. Right. Um, we've talked a bit about, I think uh, a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about some studies into the health benefits of bike share programs. Uh, very quickly, there's some plans to uh, Zagster, renamed Pace now in Rochester, some plans to extend the range of the bike share programs uh, further out in the city? They do. They want to move it into neighborhoods where there are some poor health outcomes, uh, where people don't, uh, they may not have access to their own bicycles, they may not be a grocery store nearby. What they want to do is put bike stations in these areas, put some bike stations near grocery stores so people can go point to point. They are also doing uh, something, they got a grant from Excellus, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, to get some accessible bikes. So there's some adult tricycles, uh, things like that, so that people who may feel shut out of, I want to ride a two-wheeler, 
there's uh, there's a bike for them. They're also looking at bikes that would be able to you know go to the grocery store. Great, you can get a bike to the grocery store. How do you slip everything home? You know, looking at ways to do that. But uh, focusing on neighborhoods with some with some difficult, you know, very poor health outcomes where diabetes is high, where obesity uh, high, and recreational opportunities may not be there. Right, and uh, typically food deserts, as we call them, but um, also possibly underserved by other kinds of transport, like, like RTS, for example. Exactly, and also ways in which they can take the... Uh, the pace bike, you know, to the bus stop. And, uh, you know, you would hope that they're going to work RTS. We're reimagining RTS, right? You would certainly hope that people from both those organizations are sitting at the same table figuring out how they can make it work together. Right. Uh, and just to wrap up, um, we talked a lot about uh, medical cannabis, uh, and you sat down with uh, the head of Columbia Care, the uh, large medical cannabis producer here in Rochester, uh, asked them a question about whether they might be a player in the recreational cannabis market should that become legalized, which is we're hearing telegraphed um, fairly uh, fairly consistently. Um, what did you find out? Anything from, from Columbia Care? He could run for office. Uh, very noncommittal on that. You know, it's a, it's a function of, of their time and, and their resources. But what uh, what Nicholas Vita did, did say and, and repeated in different forms a couple ways is that New York has to make sure that its enforcement of recreational marijuana keeps the product in the hands of people it's meant for and out of the hands, out of kids' hands, away from, you know, organized crime, any kind of black market thing. If, if New York is going to do this, it's got to be regulated so it, it ends up where it's supposed to end up. Um, he cited statistics from other states, polls where people who were in favor of recreational marijuana were not in favor of how their state was doing it, and he's looking at New York to do it the right way. Right. Uh, more of this kind of thing uh, with Patty Singer at DemocratandChronicle.com. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, Matthew.